Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in for the Hootsard Huddle podcast presented by HootsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fam. You are now inside the huddle. Bring it in, Michael Hotard, back for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast, joined by Matt Labatu, who is uh, obviously been the co-host. We are missing the third part in this, that of course being the great Danny, uh, as he is in good old Disney, you know, I'm jealous, but it's a good know. place to be, man. It is a good place to be, you know, I've been there this year. You've been happiest there place on earth, they say, right? That's that's right, and it's a hundred percent true. I actually booked, um, we booked our next Disney vacation for November of next year. So, it, food and wine fest, man, dude, it's the best. You can't beat it. You cannot. That is my it. favorite thing about Disney. Yeah, food and wine is always a good time. Um, but we're on episode fifty of the Hootsard Huddle podcast, and uh, you know, well. I guess that's reason to celebrate. There's also more reasons to celebrate. I have conquered both the leagues that I remotely give a shit about. And uh, I am heading into the postseason in first place in both. So I'm excited about that. Great week to be alive. But Golf claps. Golf claps. But, dude, it has been... Uh, we haven't recorded one of these in a few weeks. And the NFL is just... Holy crap. Um just Holy a COVID. lot of things happening that there's been drama. There's been teams kind of falling. There's been players falling. There's just been a lot of mess going on with the league. Um, but the one thing I do want to start with, and it's a shame Danny's not here to talk about it, but it pertains to the Jags. Um, Urban Meyer. I mean, we were, we've, talked about urban Meyer multiple times uh, throughout the course of the season. And he just continues to make headlines for the wrong reasons. You know, he calls his staff, uh, his coaching staff, a bunch of losers. Then it comes out that while Josh Lambeau, their former kicker was doing a stretch, urban Meyer walks up, kicks his leg out from underneath him and just started insulting him. Urban Meyer is a great a piece of shit. I mean, there's no way to spin it. And the part that sucks or the part that's annoying about it is he's walking into the NFL like he's some sort of alpha dog. Like, homie, you can't come into the NFL and tell your coaching staff they haven't won anything because, well, you haven't. You know, I I texted y'all this. That would be like Tim Tebow going to the Hall of Fame committee for the NFL and being like, yeah, but look at my college numbers. I was a great quarterback. Yeah, but you didn't do anything in the NFL. So what clout do you what clout and what audacity do you have to walk into a franchise, albeit a bad one, and think that you can just walk in there like a bat out of hell being reckless and just being an absolute asshole of a human being to your staff? It just it's the kind of stuff that might work in college. Like you can walk in and be the big man on campus. You can kind of tell these guys what to do because they're still trying to get to the NFL, still trying to make a name for themselves, you know, still trying to find their way. 
these guys in the NFL and, and coaches in the NFL who have been through the rigors of, you know, maybe starting in high school and college, like, don't give me the shit about what haven't you won or, or, you know, what have you won in your life? Like these dudes have put in the work and the time, like they deserve to be there pretty much every bit that you do. And a lot of these guys, you probably hired yourself. So you're only downplaying the guys that, that you hired. So you're basically saying, Oh, I fucked up and hired the wrong people. Uh, he's losing the locker room uh, each and every week, faster and faster. It's Trevor Lawrence's development is it under urban Meyer. It would concern me. I think you have to, you have to scrap it uh, the sooner, the better. I mean, honestly, if it was me, he wouldn't finish the year. Uh, I mean, Shad Khan's coming out and saying, oh, well, we're not sure what we're going to do. It's just, it's ridiculous if that's really how he thinks. I don't know if he's just trying to like play it off until the end of the year, but I think he's got to go. I think you got to get a guy in there that wants to develop Trevor Lawrence and can make him, I don't know, not look like shit. Cause that offense in general looks like shit that the guy, uh, wanted to bench James Robinson. And then, you know, the best player on your quote unquote, the best player in your team, you know, your franchise savior, Trevor Lawrence comes in and basically says, yeah, I don't know why he did that. Like he should be in the game. It's just, it's just fumble after fumble with urban Meyer going all the way back to the, the bar incident. And now going to, like you said, him berating coaches and, and all this stuff. It's just, it's been horrible. He's got to well, go. And this is, this is the other problem is the longer you let this fester, the more it's, just going to drag down an organization that's already been through the mud. We already saw what happened because of Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin was too much of an old head. The Jags had a great thing going when they made that AFC championship. The defense great roster. star studded. They were a quarterback away from being a real contender year in, year out. And they still made it there with Blake Bortles. Um, no knock on him, but I mean, he's, average he's, a great, he's a great backup to have, right. but you don't want him as your starter. It is what it is, and they still managed to go there. They lost possibly, arguably – well, I won't say arguably because his teammate is better than him, uh, but you lost one of the best defensive players in football with Jalen Ramsey, um, and you lost Calais Campbell, a great locker room guy, um, guy Alan who's Robinson. still productive, been in the league. You lost Allen Robinson, a great receiver. There's been so many good players that just left after the whole Tom Coughlin mess because he came in. Tom Coughlin wants to dictate living off two Super Bowls with the Giants. And it's no secret that Tom Coughlin's kind of an asshole. Uh, and then you bring in someone who's younger than Coughlin, obviously, but Urban Meyer's pulling the same bullshit. Now, I think in a much more extreme capacity, um, but at least Tom Coughlin had the clout of winning two Super Bowls. You know, Urban Meyer doesn't have anything. So it's just the Jags need to get their leadership right, period, because you cannot keep fumbling on coaches, on front office personnel. They need to figure it out fast because it's just going to keep leading to them being a laughing stock of the NFL, even despite the fact that, you have the one win Detroit Lions, but I think everyone and their mother right now is rooting for Dan Campbell to win football games. There is leadership there. There is clearly someone at the helm who is doing and saying all the right things and his players love him. So it's, it's just crazy. It's, it's beyond me how these things just continuously happen with the Jags. 
And and like you were saying with the Lions, it's it's pretty much the complete opposite with their their coaching philosophy. Because here's a guy who comes in and claims he's won everything, and here's a guy who's pretty much been a position coach since he's he's been out of the NFL and and working his way up. But the difference is his guys buy into what he's selling, and and they believe in him, and they can tell he's emotionally, physically, mentally invested in this team and making them better. You know, and you could tell at his press conferences. I remember that one game that they lost by a field goal. He's basically almost crying. It's like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that shows like, damn, this guy really wants to win. He's, you know, he's behind us all the way. And and the one thing that you can say about the Lions is that team never quits. Uh, that team, it plays hard, you know, start to finish. They have quite a few games they've lost at, basically at the last second with the field goal. And if you look at the Jaguars, they look lifeless. Offense, defense, and it's not like they don't have some good players because they do. You know, Marvin Jones isn't a slouch. Chenault's not a slouch. Uh, their offensive line is probably maybe closer to the bottom tier, but it's not like horrible. You know, they have skilled players. Their defense has a couple of guys that, you know, can make plays, but it just seems like they they just don't care. They're, they're not buying into Urban Meyer which is why you just, you have to get them out of there. And like you said, just cut the cord. Like what's the point of dragging it out uh, besides money? If Khan really wants to try to just save money and give him another year, but it would be I've got detrimental. Yeah, he's got plenty of money. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's detrimental to the franchise itself, to the development of probably a generational quarterback. I mean, nobody's really going to argue that with you. It's just, it, it's, it's terrible. For a franchise that can't seem to get it right, the same franchise that hired Doug freaking Marone just can't get it out of the get out of their own way. Yeah. And you know, um, I don't really have too much to add to Urban Meyer. I think we've kind of said it all. Um, next thing I kind of want to get into here. So um overreactions of the season. So obviously every NFL season you have overreactions. Um there just natural it's going to come with the territory and you kind of got to hamper your expectations we've had plenty on this podcast so um i touched on these in the first not so monday morning thoughts that i posted in a couple of weeks now um you know but going back to week one i think it's kind of funny that we're looking at this now um but after week one aaron Rodgers, who has just been in the firestorm of bad publicity after bad publicity throughout the course of the season um, with the week one performance with the COVID vaccine swerve, all these different things, but green Bay is still freaking kicking ass and Aaron Rodgers is still the baddest man on the football field when he wants to be. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, after the, first game against uh, the saints when they got steamrolled and this feels like an eternity ago. I mean, Packers lose that game 38 to three. Um, Cause that was last at home. year almost. Yeah. And it's, they lost that at home to a saints team that, well, it was healthier, but not, not a very good saints team. Um, and Packers are sitting now at 10 and three. They got one of the best, uh, best records in football and Aaron Rodgers has been just doing Aaron Rodgers thing. So that's one of the funny overreactions. Cause after that game, it was all right. Is Rodgers mailing it in? Is he being a piece of shit because of everything? And it's like, all right, cool. Here he goes. Every time you say negative about Rodgers, he just goes out there and proves everyone wrong. I mean, he finished that game 
133 yards through two picks. He's got four total interceptions on the season. So it's it's just insane. Like, say all you want about the person that is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I won't deny the fact that he's kind of coming out to be a kind of a dick bag, but um on the field and in between the lines, I don't care. He's fun to watch. And he just, dude, he just does whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's maybe you could argue it's uh, Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he's right up there too. But is anybody doing it better than Aaron Rodgers right now on supposedly, you know, nine toes? You know, uh, how much is that toe? He says it's bothering him. I mean, he could fool me. Like, it <laughs> doesn't look like it's bothering him too much. Uh, I think another crazy thing about Green Bay too is all these stars out on their defense. They have, uh, was it uh, Zadarius Smith? has been out for weeks. You have uh, the cornerback Jairus Alexander out. And I think Kenny Clark as well have all been out. And that defense has just been kicking ass. Just that's the, one of the things with uh, Aaron Rodgers is his, you know, his defense hasn't always been, been great, but I'm not saying uh, his defense is carrying him or anything, but they're playing just as well as the offense is right now. The emergence of freaking Rasul Douglas, like here's a guy who, third round pick a couple of years ago, you know, Philadelphia gives up on him. And now he's got, uh, is it two or three games in a row with the pick six? It's like, where the hell did this guy come from? Yeah. It's just, you know, that's a, a great feel good story, but I don't know if any team's playing better than the Packers right now. They can beat you every which way. Matt LaFleur looking like one of the best coaches in the NFL, honestly, just calling, knowing how to call the game plan. If Rogers has to throw, he throws, if they can run the ball and pound it with Dylan and with, uh, with Aaron Jones, they'll do that too. It's just, it's a well-balanced attack. I mean, the, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of Tampa Bay last year. They can beat you every which way. Great offensive line play, although they did lose uh, Elkin Jenkins, which is huge because that guy I'd probably say is a top 10, 15 lineman in the NFL at any position, maybe you could argue. But uh, yeah, that team's rolling. Uh, they're definitely an overreaction for people kind of freaking out in week one. Uh, another overreaction is everybody kind of saying, ah, look at the Raiders, look at Derek Carr. You know, they kind of fell off a cliff as of late. You know, I think it's a, a little surprising. I thought, you know, they were a solid team, maybe could figure it out. Derek Carr's playing great. You're pretty much as good as your quarterback is. And he was playing as well as anybody at the beginning of the season. And they're kind of falling off. Uh, uh, the Bengals are still looking pretty damn good. I know I overreacted saying uh, they're, Definitely better than I thought they were. I'd say they were one of my pretenders earlier in the year, and I know you give me shit for that. But, um, you know, they're still surprising staying in there, even though the whole division is kind of eh right now. So, Yeah, I mean, at this point in the season, you kind of know what teams are. You know what you're getting out of them. Um, you know, going back to Packers, though, and you mentioned the Bucks. I think those two right now are probably my safer teams for the NFC at the moment. Um, Rams just finally got a big win against the Cardinals. Um, and the Rams prior to that were on, I think a three game skid and, um, they finally got a much needed win for them. I mean, and that's not to say that the Rams aren't up there. Cause I mean, they're still a top five, top six team. Um, I actually had them seventh in my power rankings just below the Cardinals. And I was really heavily debating that, um, but, I mean, the NFC is still looted. They're still um, really good teams. I'm excited for the playoffs once they start. Uh, but right now, I mean, my top two teams were the Bucks and Packers uh, because they've just 
been pretty consistent as of late. Um, and then um, as far as some of the other teams that have just kind of fallen off the wagon, um, you know, Steelers have struggled this season. Browns are struggling. Vikings are struggling. Um, How about you know, Buffalo, man? Kind of falling off at the end. Yeah. How good is Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, Buffalo is now sitting at seven and six. It's it's going to be an interesting run this year just because there's so many teams you know maybe you're better than their record shows, um, which kind of goes against know what I said. Good? What's that? I, I, sorry to cut you off. I was just saying, does anybody know who's good in the NFL this year? It's just it's the been, AFC's a wreck. It's a lot um, of parody this year. Yeah, so it's going to make for a good playoff, especially with the added team. Um, but, um, one of the things that I kind of want to dive into here, cause I wrote this again in my, uh, my weekly column and that's the award races, just cause we've touched on these a couple of times throughout the course of the year. So, um, not many of mine have really changed. Uh, so we can kind of discuss that. I mean, so when I was writing this, my front runner right now, I think Brady's in the driver's seat for MVP. I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, he's, I mean, he's balling this year. He's, uh, you can make a case for Rogers. I think, I don't think Rogers has enough. I, I don't know that Rogers has enough touchdowns and yards to really break that with Brady. I, and I, not that he doesn't deserve it, because again, I kind of wrote this. The MVP is more, I feel like, about storylines, what's gonna be a good story versus maybe who's necessarily the most valuable. Um, but I still think it's Brady. And then I put Kyler Murray um and Josh Allen still in the hunt for that award. But when you we know it's going to a quarterback, there's no doubt about it. So when you look at who's got just the best numbers and he's on arguably the best team right now, I mean, it's Brady and I'll go ahead and double check this, but I'm almost positive. He's still leading the league in yards. I know he's leading the league in touchdowns and um, he's still on pace to have, I think over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with the numbers, especially to do that at 40 years old, which I think saying about the storyline, it, it makes for a great story if a 40 year old wins the MVP. And it's not like people can say he doesn't deserve it because he's having a phenomenal year. He's on pace to, he was on pace earlier. I think to like shatter the, uh, the touchdown and the yardage record. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to do that anymore, but. But still, if he can get close to 45, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, that team finishes maybe still first place in the NFC. It's going to be between them and the Packers. It's probably hard not to give it to, to uh, Tom Brady. I wonder if the voters maybe have some animosity towards Aaron Rodgers now. It's definitely possible that, uh, you know, because you alluded earlier, he's kind of a cock. Uh, great football <laughs> player, kind of a cock, though. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't really argue if if it is Brady. I, you know, I like Tom Brady. I'm not going to be upset if he if he wins it. Uh, so I, I think be it's the probably... oldest MVP in the history of sports, which would be cool. any professional sport, right? That'd be awesome. But it's crazy because you know, um, 
one of the things that got mentioned, you know, earlier in the year was Lamar Jackson, which has pretty much been put to bed at this point because <laughs> that died. I, I, well, I wrote about this and I said this when it got brought up on here is thing with Lamar Jackson, everyone was talking about his numbers compared to his MVP season. Well, not every season is the same. What is good enough for an MVP one year may not be good enough for an MVP the next year. And case in point, for example, let's look at, let's say, Matt Ryan's MVP season. I think he finished with 35 or 36 touchdowns. Um, and I, I want to say like 4,400 yards. I could be wrong on the yardage. But I know he led the league in touchdowns. If he had those same numbers, let's say, in 2020, I mean – he wouldn't have been close 15th, to Aaron right? Rodgers. He <laughs> probably would have finished third in voting that, maybe fifth in voting based on looking at last year's numbers. I mean, he would, statistically speaking, he would have been lower than Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, Mahomes, Allen. Um, and then even and that's like, just quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, so it's whenever people kind of get into the trap of, well, during his MVP season, he had this. It's like, well, this isn't that year. So, um, but as of right now, I mean, I think Tom Brady's kind of the dead runaway with it, and it's going to take a lot for him to fall off. I don't think Rodgers is quite in the conversation, so to speak, yet, at least maybe not the top three. But we still have a couple of weeks left, so we could be very much having a different conversation in a couple of weeks. That's what's crazy about the award races in the NFL. Um, now, uh, going to Offensive Player of the Year, uh, I think uh, Cooper Cup is still very much in the driver's seat for that. I mean, the guy's on pace for 140 receptions, 1,900 yards. He's on pace to break the receiving yardage record, and he's currently on top in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So he's a runaway with it. Yeah, I mean, something dramatic would have to happen, I think, for him to fall off of that. And then um, I think the cra- oh, I'll just add one point. I think the craziest part about that too is we have Jonathan Taylor in the NFL, and we're pretty much not even mentioning him. Is how crazy Cooper Cup's been. Yeah, I mean, I put him as my second in the hunt, um, along with couple of other guys Kyler Murray Matt Stafford Lamar Jackson but even those guys like I mean none of them are realistically catching Cooper Cup and you know it's 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 funny because I think prior to the maybe 2017 season um, I wrote a top 10 most underrated players and I don't remember where he fell on the list but he was in the top 10 I wrote about Cooper Cup how underrated he was and it was funny because someone had brought up to me. He was like, well, everyone's calling him underrated. So is he underrated? And I was like, that's not a bad point. And now it's it's crazy. I mean, I said this in, uh, on this podcast before. Matt Stafford coming to Los Angeles has fully unlocked what he is capable of. And it's just been, I mean, he's stupid. He's just, as far as football IQ goes he's one of the smartest guys in the NFL he he's one of those crafty guys who just knows how to find holes knows where to sit knows when to um, continue on his route he just plays the game smart finds ways to get open and just makes his presence presence known and after losing Robert Woods obviously they go out and get OBJ who's been coming on strong uh, the last couple of weeks um, 
finally had what looked like his first good stat line in God knows how long. And he finished last game with, I think, five catches, 70-something yards and a touchdown. So um, Cooper Cup is definitely the reason for kind of unlocking that offense. And that offense is so much fun to watch, too. I mean, you got Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham. You lose Robert Woods, and the offense, yeah, maybe for a week or two, had to get adjusted. But, you know, almost looks like they, they won't skip a beat. Uh, like you said, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you and with uh, Cooper Cup. It's my runaway right now. And uh, it's crazy to say that with Jonathan Taylor having the season he's having. But, you know, Cup's season is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so I'll go to Defensive Player of the Year. I know you had TJ Watt up for yours. I'll well, before def- getting in a defensive player, um, I do want to make mention of this too. Uh, one of the things with the Rams, one of the things that I love, I don't know if you, I, I can't remember if I sent you this video or not, but one of my favorite videos, I think, from this year was uh, um, Sean McVay and uh, Van Jefferson. Like, dude, just doing everything he can to encourage his guys. Like, they, Van Jefferson scores a touchdown. Uh, Sean McVay high fives him and then he gets his attention. He's like, no, come back here. And I can't remember exactly what he told him. Um, but you know, gave He's like, words thank you en- for believing in me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, he, he gave him words of encouragement, and like uh Van Jefferson goes back up to McVeigh later on the sideline. He's like, Hey, thanks for, for believing in me, coach. Like that means the world. And it's just cool, man. Like, I love seeing those interactions between good coaches and good players. I mean, just mutual respect, mutual love. Um, because that's what leadership is. I mean. If you want the best out of people, be a good leader. And McVay's obviously that because he's one of the top three coaches in football, period. Um, the players can see through bullshit, man. Just be honest with them. Be real with them. Yeah. I mean, dude, if you can't be honest with your team, it's they won't buy it's into not going to end well. Not gonna, yeah, you're not going to be you're not going to be around too long. No, there's a reason why Matt Patricia's not a coach anymore. Fucking dude's trying to pull the Belichick way when homie, you're not Belichick. You don't have that cloud. Um, but going to a defensive player, which you had kind of started talking about. Um, I mean, I still have TJ Watt in the driver's seat, but oh my god, it's close. It's close right now. Um, and the 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 four names I'll mention is TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. And then two Cowboys, Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons. I think Diggs is kind of the long shot now, whereas five, six weeks ago, he was the dead runaway. Um, but that that award is going to be an interesting one because if TJ Watt doesn't get it, it'll be yet another year where he probably deserves it, but someone just deserved it more. And, and Miles Garrett right now, who is my pick, uh, for defensive player of the year. He's got like 15 sacks already. Uh, I think his his pressures, uh, I would have to look them up. But He's he was first probably in the league in pressures. 30 or 40 pressures at least or something like that. I think he was at 43 last time I looked. And he's getting, this is a guy, uh, granted, Clowney's on the other side, so maybe not double teamed as much, but at one point was leading the league in double team win rates. I don't think he's leading uh, the league anymore, but it's a guy that's constantly getting double teamed and still making plays. Uh, just going back to this past week with that, uh, the strip sack he had going for a touchdown, like that's a grown man play. I 
don't know many defensive players that can make that play and just run away with the football. It's he's a freak. Uh, yeah, he's my he's my pick right now. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Micah Parsons because even though he's a rookie, he definitely deserves to be in there. If you're looking at him from just a, a pass rushing perspective, imagine if he was rushing the passer. He was a full time pass down. rusher. He's He'd not. have 20 sacks it's- right now, which is freaking nuts. For and that's a position he said he played what in high school is the last time he played it. Yeah, I mean it's right just, now as nuts. it stands. He's got 41 pressures, 12 sacks. He's seventh in sacks, and then he's um, tied for third in total pressures. Um, so, it, dude, like defensive player is going to be a race to the finish. Um, you know who didn't do that his rookie year? Chase Young, baby, because Chase, Chase Young, Young sucks. Well, that's, I, I wrote this, too. Of course, I took the opportunity to shit on Chase Young, as always. But he still gets mentioned when anytime Washington gets brought up and – I'm like, dude, he was drafted second overall to be this transcendent star. He's not. Everything Chase Young was supposed to be, Micah Parsons is. Is. So, um, it's, dude, it's wild. But another person that I was, I, I won't put him in the running, but damn it if he quietly isn't having a great season and all the hype that he had coming out of college and he's dealt with some injuries. Um his older brother's in the league. His older brother's one of the best. And that's my man, Nick Bosa. Um, quietly having a great season. He is currently, he's sitting at 14 sacks on the year, um, which is tied for third. And he's second right now in pressures behind Garrett with 43. So he's another name who maybe pops up if he has a couple of big, big weeks coming up here. Um, but... I really, I'm not sure. I picked, I picked TJ Watt to win the award this year, but I'm not sold on it at all because I could see any one of the guys that have been mentioned so far winning it. And I think what hurts him a little bit too is the Steelers defense just kind of not been. And I mean, the Browns defense hasn't been too great either, but I think the Steelers defense came with more expectations. And, and I mean, they're the Steelers. You expect their defense to be fantastic. And he was also hurt for uh for what at least one game with a groin injury or something like that so i mean would it surprise me if he won defensive player of the year i guess a little bit but it wouldn't necessarily shock me i think it is going to end up being garrett because you know he'll probably tack on another five sacks you know that's only what maybe one a game or something like that 1.25 a game until the end of the season so if he gets to 20 he probably gets it uh I think if either one of those teams manages to maybe sneak into the playoffs and the defense pops off a little bit, that probably uh, helps their case too. Uh, even with the Cowboys, I mean, if somebody goes on a little run, if Diggs has a couple of games with some interceptions, does he catch up? Maybe not, but I mean, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if Parsons, you know, goes crazy and has a bunch of sacks at the end of the year. Would it be the most shocking thing in the world? Probably not. I mean, voters love shiny new toys. We all know that. They just want to give it to the the newest thing out there. But it's probably going to go to Garrett. T.J. Watt is is definitely my second, although I don't think he's too far behind him. But, but yeah, I think that's what it looks like right now. You know, you talk about the shiny new toys. There's another name I want to mention really quick about this who's not going to get much recognition, and it's because we'll call it the – LeBron, Brady, whatever you want to call it, insert star athlete here effect. And it's because 
we're used to seeing dominance where it's just the standard now. And that's Aaron Donald, who is uh, in the top 10 in both pressures and sacks. He's an interior lineman. He gets doubled and triple teamed more than anybody in the league. And here he is yet again, another productive season. Um, and won't get mentioned. So it, it just kind of play off of that point of, well, he's not a shiny new toy. So, um, but there's Especially a last week, man, he was a freaking beast, dude. I was, there was a, there was one play. I forgot which one it was, but I mean, dude got triple team. They had three linemen on him and he still managed. Still to gets through. through. I'm just like, dude, how are you so good? Dude, the, I, I think the fact that he's a little bit shorter helps his leverage and just like good fucking luck getting lower than him and being more powerful than he is because that dude is just so dude, he's strong. He's a brick house. He is an absolute brick house. Like if there's a such thing as first ballot Hall of Famer within like five or six years, it's Aaron Donald. Oh, 100%, dude. Aaron Donald, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I mean, I, I was sitting there racking my brain. And I mean, I don't, you know, when it came to defense, obviously Lawrence Taylor is one of the top three players of all time. I think anybody's top three when you're talking about NFL, it's going to be Brady Rice Taylor. I think that's the definitive Maybe Dion, top three. Yeah. I wouldn't put Dion. I wouldn't even put Dion as the best corner ever. Um, but I think it's those guys who are top three. And I was sitting there thinking about it. And I'm like, Aaron Donald, man. And I just don't see a scenario where you can leave this guy outside of your top top five, maybe not even, if not top five, definitely not top 10. Um, because when you talk about just the longevity he's had, and unfortunately, of course, he doesn't have that uh, Super Bowl yet. But, I mean, dude, double-digit sacks all but 2014 and 2016, 2014 being his rookie year. As an interior lineman. Right. Double digits. And then, of course, he hit 20 and a half in 2018 during that run. Um, and then you look at it. I mean, 2018 that year, he finished the year with 70 pressures. As an interior lineman, like, dude moves the needle. Um, so he's just, oh, dude, it's insane. Like, I gush about that, uh, about Aaron Donald. He's so goddamn good. Um, but... Uh, as far as rookies go, I mean, defensive rookie, it's Mike Parsons. By um, far. There's no one in the running. There, that's not a discussion. Um, and then Who's your all, second? I'm curious. I don't have anyone because I don't know and I don't care. I don't care enough to look. It's Mike Parsons. <laughs> um, that's fair. But, I do like Sertain. Although he, he can't touch Parsons, but Sertain's having a great year too. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, man, like, ah, going back to Chase Young. If Chase Young was in this rookie class, he would be so fucking forgotten. So, hey, there's just there's so many players that have come in and been impactful from day one, it, it, from quarterbacks to wide receivers to yeah, offensive linemen to corners. It's just been – it's been all over. Like, then you got the offensive side, too. Um, he won't win it, but Rashawn Slater – they're never going to give it to an offensive lineman. Um, but the two that are really in the running there is Jamar Chase and Mac Jones. I'm not sure. I, I feel like it's going to go to Mac Jones, although I don't know that if I were voting, I would give it to Mac Jones. 
Um, and that's not a knock on him because Mac Jones has been good, but let's not pretend it's something it isn't. Patriots have been ultra conservative with Mac Jones and he's executing well. They're winning games. He's been efficient, but he hasn't necessarily added layers to that offense yet. Yet being the key word. I do think Mac Jones ends up having a damn good career, but they're thriving off running the ball, playing good defense and basically playing like an old 2000s Bill Belichick team. Um, But Jamar Chase, obviously, he's hit a little bit of a slump, um, had a big week this past week. But nonetheless, Jamar Chase is still putting up numbers, and he's one of the best receivers in football. So um, I think this is kind of the opposite of last year. Because last year, the the two-horse race was Justin Herbert and um, uh, Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson was, of course, like the – the glamour pick, so to speak. Uh, but Justin Herbert wasn't playing conservative. Justin Herbert was the offense for the Chargers last year. I mean, he was running for his life making plays. And then this year, it's kind of the opposite. You got a good quarterback, not necessarily maximizing the offense, so to speak. And then you still have a star receiver on the other side. So if it were me, I'd say go with the star receiver, but I don't think that happens. I would like to agree with you. Uh, Going a little bit to what you were saying about uh, Mac Jones. Is he playing well? Yes. He's playing 100%. Within, within the the realms of the system. And, and he's not being asked to. And I know I, I kind of spoke about this earlier uh, in one of our previous podcasts. Like, yeah, they'll open up the playbook for him as the season goes on. And I'm not seeing it as much as I thought I would have. But he's still he's not making mistakes. You know, he's playing well. He's playing the best out of any rookie quarterback this year. I don't think that's really too much of an argument. Uh, It looks like his team is in a very good spot to win the division, but I think a lot of that has to do with the defense being probably going back to one of those, you know, mid two thousands defenses that was just dominant in almost every facet of the game. And he got the best head coach in the NFL dominant offensive line, fantastic running game. So I think he'll he'll probably win it just because he is a quarterback. But if I was going to give it to anybody, I'd give it to Jamar Chase. He's already got over a thousand yards, already got double digit touchdowns. Receiver is in a position, and yeah, sure, Jim, uh, Justin Jefferson did it last year. But don't let that fool you. Receiver is not a position where a lot of guys come in and just drop their nuts on the table and, and you know have these fantastic years. It's a position that takes you know, and uh, maybe uh, uh, two years, three years to to have guys kind of break out. You don't really see it in their rookie year. It's a harder position to learn. Uh, you may have been a guy that didn't have a big route tree coming out of college, and you got to learn the nuances of these routes. It's not like running back where it's like, hey, here's the A-gap, run through the A-gap, you know, which is why you see a lot of rookie running backs do fantastic, but not so much receivers. So if I was going to give it to somebody, I'd give it to Chase. I hope the voters will do the same thing, although probably think they're going to lean quarterback, especially say, oh, it's the Patriots. He reminds me of Tom Brady. I think people kind of have a hard on for that right now, too. So, I mean, either one is deserving. I would just like to see it go to Jamar Chase. Yeah, I agree. I One of the interesting things about Chase, too, um, is, well, he, he and Burrow sort of picked up where they left off when – 
he left LSU um, or Burrow when Burrow left LSU. Chase has been a deep threat. I mean, he's got 60 catches on the year um, and he's one of eight receivers in the league right now with a thousand yards. He's fifth um, behind Chris Godwin and he is one of four receivers in the league with double digit touchdowns. Um, and that of course being cup Evans, uh, Thielen being the other. Now, when you look uh, across the board at Evans and Thielen who have those double digit touchdowns, they also don't have the yards that he has. I mean, you're talking about someone who's right now averaging 17.3 yards per catch. Um, and that's that's Debo Samuel territory, who's another explosive playmaker on offense. Chase is a stud, man, and he just hasn't missed a beat in the NFL. And going from dropping all those passes in the preseason, everybody <laughs> talking all that shit. It's Everybody's like, scared look, look to take now, him right? in fantasy, talking about myself. Me being one of them, too, man. He sit, I'm sitting there in the fifth round. I'm like, Jamar Chase. <laughs> and now, like, now we both oh, look no, like assholes. Nope. And now we both look like idiots. So. Yeah. So, um, and then coach of the year. I, I mean, I feel like it's going to be Belichick, Kingsbury, or LaFleur. Um, I, I just don't care about coach either. of the year. What's yeah. that? I see you could argue for any of them, honestly. Coach Whoever's of the year, the I, I don't seed. care nearly as much about as some of the other awards. But um, if I were given it, I'd probably give it to Belichick uh, for kind of define the odds. No one expected the Patriots to win that division with Mac Jones and they might not just win the division. They might win the whole fucking AFC. Um, so they're in the driver's seat for the one seed. Nobody wants to play them in the playoffs. I wouldn't. Anytime you're talking Belichick, I want to play you. <laughs> yeah. Who's your best player. I'm going to take them out of the game. Then you got to try to beat me. Right. There's been, there's been a video of Belichick going around lately of him talking, uh, uh, Chad Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, whatever you want to go by, um, before one of their games, one of their matchups. And he was like, Chad goes up to him, asking him, like, what are you going to do about me today? And he was like, I forget what he said the play was called, but he was like, he basically told him, Oh, we're double and triple teaming you the whole game. He's like, No matter where I go, he's like, Yeah, I'm not going to let you get in the end zone and spike the ball here. Are you crazy? And like, they shared a good laugh about it. Like, uh, but dude, yeah, like Belichick just, I mean, it's crazy. Cause even against good coaches, um, he just looks that much better. Yeah. He's playing chess. They're playing checkers. Like I remember in that super bowl against the Rams, the interior of that defense was their strong suit. And I remember the opening drive of that game. It was just pounded up the middle, pounded up the middle. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? He's attacking their strength. They end up winning because he's Bill fucking Belichick. But um, as far as, uh, I mean, the best part of the show now is the fantasy talk. So, dude, <laughs> we are in the playoffs. It is playoff season for fantasy football. As of now, um, I'm in four leagues. I have the first seed locked up in the league I care most about. I have the first seed locked up in the couples family bullshit league. I am vying for a final spot in the playoffs after starting 0-6 with a absolutely loaded roster in some bullshit eight-team league. 
trying to get that last playoff spot. We have one more week uh, before playoffs. So if I win, I'm in because I'm killing it in points. Um, and the dynasty league, I made the big trade uh, where I'm actually going to end up, I think third overall pick this season or this off season in the draft. Uh, but during the season, I traded Christian McCaffrey for Leonard Fournette, James Connor, Sterling Shepard, um, a first and two number twos. Um, so I got a haul there, got some extra draft picks to work with. So that league, I'm not disappointed about missing the playoffs and being as bad as I was because, well, it comes with a top pick. But um, the two leagues that I'm got the playoffs in, Dirty Dozen being one of them, holy shit, I cannot wait because, you know, I have I've made one playoff appearance in this league and it started in 2015. And uh my best record has been six and six. Finally broke the 500 barrier and made it 10 and four. Thank God. Got a bye week. Hopefully we could keep the train rolling. So in the I'll talk about our family league first, though. The family league with you. Ended up, uh, what, seven and seven. So just missing out in the playoffs about one game. Went from scoring 40 points a game, uh, scoring 100. So came on strong at the end. But my two money leagues uh, limped into the playoffs. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. One of them is a dynasty. Uh, one of them is not. So uh, dynasty league, I swear to God, it's a new injury each week. Or somebody on my team catches COVID. Had Robert Woods go out. Had DeAndre Hopkins go out this week. I think last week I had DeAndre Swift out, Jamal Williams out. I had Darrell Henderson out. Uh, Elijah Moore went out on IR. It's like, do you want me to keep going? Uh, Josh Allen hurt his foot this week. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I feel like fantasy, man, this year has been kind of a crazy crapshoot. Just a lot of players getting hurt, a lot of big names, like uh, what, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, by the way, did you make that McCaffrey trade before he would end up going on IR again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, good for you. Literally <laughs> made it the week before he played one game for him and then got hurt. I was like, Jesus Christ, that makes it so much better for you, man. Touche. Yeah, just... I was trying to milk more out of that deal. I wasn't able to get it. Um, but... um. You know, one of the obviously things we've talked about is this week in Soche. Soche made the playoffs. He, oh, uh, man. So he ended up basically what happened. It was an absolute mess. So I had playoffs locked up going into the last week of the season. The guy I played against was playing for a spot uh, along with it was – eight other teams playing for the final playoff spot. And uh, the person who was in third place heading into the final week of the season lost. And because of the point differential, he missed out on the playoffs by 0.65 to Soche. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we went like, from third to out in one week. Yep. Dude, it's Jeez. that's what I love about that league, though. It's so damn competitive. Close, and this yeah. has happened before. Like, I beat the second place person um one year and knocked them out completely. And then the very next year, um, he ended up beating me in the last week of the season. I went on a three-game losing streak and ended up missing the playoffs because of it. It's just, dude, it's crazy. Um, but oh man, it was it was wild. So I'm sitting pretty with a buy right now. And uh, 
I don't know if I, I if we talked about this, but I ended up trading Soche, uh, Alexander Madison for Chris Godwin straight up uh, because he had Dalvin Cook. So and Dalvin Cook goes down, and I mean he only missed one game, but reports were two to three weeks, and he's fighting for a final playoff spot. So I was like, who wants Alexander Madison? And so Shane and I were talking. He was like, what do you want? I was like, a wide receiver, too, at, at the very least. And then he was like, what about Godwin? Because I was trying to get Jefferson from him. And uh, he was like, I'll do Godwin. I was like, done. Yeah. So I uh, did that. Now my roster's filled up. I'm hoping James Robinson can get back to overcoming Urban Meyer and his bullshit. But, oh, man, it's – dude – uh, I just hope, I hope I need, I, I got the bye week. I can rest easy this week and just watch football and watch the shit storm hit the fan. And the way it worked out in the ladder, it's the two teams I'd rather face next week. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I need to win this though. Damn it. Man, I, I'll tell you one thing. So in my, uh, my, my wife's family here with like all of our brothers and all that shit, the uh, the differential between so I ended up in fifth and then the other team I'm going to talk about ended up in sixth. The differential between us two for the season was point seven, like seven tenths of a point. Yeah. But uh, so I ended up playing a person I would have much rather wanted to play, and they ended up playing the team that's probably going to cock slap everybody in the playoffs. So it's just like like you were saying, it's crazy, like the parity or like how close and competitive these leagues can be where I'm literally sitting here, like shit myself over, you know, less than a point over who I'm going to have to play next week. So, yeah, there's nothing like uh, having a panic attack on the couch on, on Sundays during fantasy playoffs. (laughs) Dude, this time of the year is what we live for. Right. Right. I mean, dude, we're, we're gluttons for pain. That's what it is. Um, Anyways, calls me an idiot all the time. She's like, why do you keep doing this shit? I'm like, I love it. Leave me alone. (laughs) Right. Like just let me live my life. Dude, Danny, he uh he ended up he had fourth place, I think, heading into the final week. He lost and still managed to get third place because Lance losing. Um, but he was tripping out because he was losing to Soche. Um, he ended up losing by I think six points. Soche put up 160. And um, Danny texted me, he was like, fuck, dude, I'm gonna miss the playoffs. And I was like, all right, let me go look at this. Is and it like, four I or just, six that make the playoffs in that week? It's six. six. Um, first two seeds get a bye week. And, uh, he, uh, he was like, dude, I'm not going to make it blah, blah, blah. I was like, eh, let me see. So, cause I always like looking at the standings and I always do the math. I'm sitting there adding up the all points the and all that. Yeah. And I was just like, Danny, you're fine. Like, it's going to take a lot for you to lose. And I sent him the point differentials of everybody. Uh, and he, I was like, you're pretty safe. So, um, I knew who, who it was going to come down to, but dude, it was, it was nuts, man. And the worst part is whoever uh, loses in that league gets replaced by me. So, right, right, (laughs) dude. I'm hoping, I'm hoping my buddy Ryan wins the damn Sacco again, just because him, for him to win back to back Sacco's is just going to be amazing. As much shit as he gave me when I won it, like perfect dream scenario for me this year is win the whole league. Ryan gets Sacco, game over. Good night. Get out of my face. But. It's fantasy football. It's what we live for, damn it. 
Uh, it's it's the best and the worst all at the same time. What's uh going away from fantasy for a second before we wrap up? What are you hoping happens in Super Bowl? Like, what are what is your dream or the matchup you want to see this year? <laughs> Am I gonna sound corny if I say Bucks Patriots? Because holy no, shit, what it's I the love one to see I Bucks want. Patriots. My God, like. How great would that be? Like, I'm getting excited literally right. If you could see the smile on my face, anybody that's listening, uh, I would I would kill to see that. Yeah. Uh, dude, having Brady versus Belichick, like, and of course, you'll have the narrative, oh, this is going to decide who's the better of the two and all this other bullshit. And I'm just like, cool. I'm just going to enjoy this. Because I'm just going to live is... for the moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, dude, just to have those two go head to head in a Super Bowl would be phenomenal. Um, and then it's kind of like the de facto passing of the torch. Like, all right, uh, you know, not saying he's going to replace Tom Brady, but like you're the next in line to like kind of yeah. take the, the reign of the kingdom. Well, that's was funny because we were supposed to have that with Patrick Mahomes. And then, you know, um, Bucks end up curb stomping them to the ground. Um, it's dude, it's it's just beyond me. Like, how is this guy 44 still doing it? How's Belichick looking like they're the best team in the AFC? Like, uh, dude, I, I want Bucks Patriots so bad. Like, everything about this Super Bowl could be magical. If we get Bucks Patriots plus the halftime show that we're getting this year, yes, fucking please. Let's go. You saw who's performing, right? Who is it? It's Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and Dr. Dre. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Right. Like, dude. I'm telling you, the second I hear forgot about Dre, shit is going to be popping off in my house. Like, but I will lose my shit over it. Tom Brady, jersey and all. Oh, dude, you know I'm wearing the damn jersey. I went to uh, Falcons uh, Bucks um, two weeks ago. Watch yeah. the watch the good old Bucks curb stomp them wearing my Tom Brady shirt. And I'll tell you what, that stadium is fucking dope. Oh, it's a nice stadium. Then they, they just redid it, right? Yeah, like they got that big glass plated window on the side. The as far as like the presentation, like the celebrities they get on there, like Samuel had like some hype video, so that was cool. Um, Chris Tucker ran, uh, rang the train horn before the game. They have a section with a live DJ. Um, dude, it's a cool game day experience. Like I was telling uh, one of my buddies. Uh, who's from Atlanta, uh, although I'm not really a Falcons fan, I don't think. I was like... Good um, for him. <laughs> I was like, honestly, like, a crowd obviously not being a factor in it, but, like, as far as just, like, presentation of game day experience, like, it's shit on what the Superdome's doing. Like, presentation for everything was sick. If their fans were remotely good, that would be a fun atmosphere, but their fans suck. They're just boring. <laughs> so, but it, it was cool, man. It was fun. It's it's definitely, I don't know if it's one of my bucket lists, but I'd like to make it down, uh, well, obviously, to probably every stadium. But, you know, the dome atmosphere, everything's kind of contained in there. And, you know, I hate the Falcons. So, you know, why not go uh, have a day to hang out with your enemy? So I think that'd be kind of cool. And it is it, like you said, it's a new stadium. So. I'm Why always down to go out? to new stadiums. Like that's, oh, dude, I, 
uh, back in maybe 2010, 2011, when the Cowboy Stadium was just getting finished. Yeah. I got to tour that and like, holy balls. It's just, it's fucking, insane. These new stadiums. Like, I can't wait. Jerry to World. Jerry World, dude, on fucking steroids. And eventually uh, I'll make it down to Vegas to see that because that just looks like the fucking Death Star. So I know cool. the Death Star, man. It's yeah. I the second they unveiled that, I was like, "Holy shit!" Um, the uh, I went to before Jerry World was built. Do you remember when Saints played Dallas in 2006 and Breeze and Peyton's first year, and they just murdered them on Sunday Night Football? Yes. So I went to that game. My dad uh, had a friend in Dallas that he worked with, and uh, we got tickets. So we were sitting. Uh, I think we were we were near the field, um, maybe like seven, eight rows up. Like we're very close to the field. And dude, I just remember Dallas fans were talking all that shit because Tony Romo, they had just come out with the Tony Romo jerseys because he was starting to make his uh, first appearance as their quarterback and everything had a couple of good games. Um, and I, I've always loved Tony Romo, but um like, dude, that stadium was surrounded with Romo jerseys. It was crazy, but it was that was a fun game. But that freaking atmosphere got deflated so quick. Like, I remember, I think it was, uh, I think Felix Jones broke off a big run early in the game, and then they Felix had Jones. nothing. Or no, 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 not Felix. Actually, I think it was Julius Jones. Ju- um, no, Julius Jones was the running back like forever ago. Yeah, yeah. So Julius Jones broke the big run, and. Uh, uh, and I'm pretty sure I don't remember if it was the first score of the game or not, but I just remember Julius Jones getting like a 80 something yard run and then just nothing after that from Dallas and Saints just went on the tear. That was when uh, that was when Carney scored four touchdowns. Mike fucking Carney. I remember using Julius Jones in NFL fucking street. <laughs> well, I remember Julius Jones from Quincy Carter. Gotta go back. Yeah. Quincy Carter and Julius Jones and maybe Keyshawn Johnson. <laughs> uh, ugly ass roster. Ugh. But cool. Well, for those who have listened, I appreciate it. If not, well, you should be. But uh, we'll be back soon for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast. And uh, for Matt Labatu, I'm Michael Hotard. Honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.